Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham. Joined finally by Colby Powell, back from a little vacay, went to our nation's capital, and when he left, the Big 12 was alive and thriving and playing good defense and making lots of money, and you you come back, Colby, and uh, the Big 12's in flames. I could not have picked a worse week to leave the 405. I mean, I leave and all hell breaks loose. I was, you know, usually whenever you leave, or usually how I do it anyway, I try to stay unplugged somewhat. No, there was none of that. <laughs> I was following every last storyline as we took trains to places and walked all over the place. I was dialed into every last thing that was happening, and it's just, oh, man, it's a lot. A lot went down last week. The third week of July is usually like the deadest sports week of the year. The British Open's done. Uh, we're really just now starting to count down the days of college football, but you're right. It was a, um, a wild week that was, and we're going to get into all the talk with Oklahoma and Texas, for all intents and purposes, they are gone. They're going to the SEC. We're going to talk about that, where that leaves Oklahoma State. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Be sure to go by there and get your Pac-12 t-shirts, your Big Ten t-shirts, your ACC t-shirts, whatever conference Oklahoma State winds up in, or if they stay in the little 12, as I call it, we'll have to wait and see. But you're going to want your, your gear for this football season when Oklahoma comes to town. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be selling some shirts along the lines of uh, Oklahoma turning their backs on the conference and Chris's will have it. So be sure to shop at Chris's university spirit.com. Colby, where would you like to start? I've been kind of involved in this for a week now. Where would you like to start? Oh man, where would I like to start? That's a loaded question. We well, how about this? Oh, you, Texas leaving your, your, your reaction as you were riding on the subways in DC and just, your thoughts on a bombshell that really no one knew was even occurring. Yeah, we were actually, we were walking past, I think we were actually walking past the Capitol building. I looked down at my phone and I just kind of popped on Twitter for a second. I'm like, oh, you in Texas, they're, they're leaving. Like they're gone. And first off, let me preface this by saying, I have long been an advocate of the, the death of the Big 12. It's something that uh, I think has needed to happen for a while. That's just my personal opinion. I think the Big 12, um, to me, I just didn't see how it fit in nationally in the future of collegiate athletics because I think the way that the future of collegiate athletics is moving is toward complete autonomy among the big conferences and the NCAA is going to become a thing of the past and get left in the dust. So this is, and we're going to go a million different places today, but I just want to preface this by saying I'm not somebody who had this nostalgic tie to the big 12 that I wanted to stick around my, my whole lifetime. I actually went and pulled up tweets from 2016 whenever I was trying to get the hashtag die big 12 die trending in 2016 so that was five years ago that i was uh tweeting out hashtag die big 12 die so the first thing i thought whenever i saw that ou and texas are leaving my first thought was oh this is phenomenal oklahoma state can get away from ou because that's one big big thing that i really want i want oklahoma state to get away from ou particularly in football other sports whatever but we know football is is the bell cow in collegiate athletics and i want oklahoma state away from ou in football because at some point you have to chart your own path you have to get out of the shadow of oklahoma you have to stop being the little brother and go live your own life you ha you have to move on from ou 
it's impossible to do whenever you're in the same conference. So my first thought was, okay, they're going to the SEC. Where does that leave Oklahoma State? Big 10, maybe not with the academic situation. ACC, they probably take West Virginia. But I think Pac-12 is a pretty good fit. So my first thought, Carson, was hopefully this means Oklahoma State to the Pac-12 and getting away from OU. That was my just initial gut reaction before I thought about anything, before I read anything, before I researched anything. That was my first gut reaction in D.C. last week. I'm, I'm with you. Um, let me just say this. My, my first reaction was it makes total and complete sense for Oklahoma and Texas. Like yes. this league is, is untenable, like you mentioned. And, and you're right, Colby. Like you, you went back to 2016. I mean, I, I was pretty much saying back then, even before then, when the last realignment occurred 10 years ago, this league did a, did a decent job making money with 10 teams. But the fact of the matter is this league was done the second Nebraska and A&M walked out of the conference. There was no one they could get. They got TC and West Virginia, and that patched things together for a little while. But the Big 12's lack of proaction, uh, proactivity, being instead of being reactive, is the death knell in this conference. And also the death knell, too, is OU in Texas. The fact that they didn't have a Big 12 network is what has killed this league. And why did they do that? Well, Texas wanted the big the Longhorn Network. They wanted all that money. I understand that. Oklahoma didn't want to share with Kansas and Iowa State all the money they were making for the football uh, conference. I understand that. But they're the reasons why the league is was in shambles the way it is. Texas mainly because they ran off Nebraska. They ran off Colorado and, and Missouri and everybody else with the way they were running roughshod over the league. But I'm sorry for, for Oklahoma and Texas to sit there and be like, man, the big 12 stinks. We got to get out of here. It's like, you, you're the two, you're the two behemoths of the league that turned it into a 10 team conference in the first place, because you didn't want to share the pie with, you know, they should have got Louisville the second, you know, all those other schools left. They didn't do it. They waited too long they got TC in West Virginia. So I'm with you, Colby, this league has just been on life support. And now Oklahoma and Texas have joined hands and pulled the plug. And now it, it leaves Oklahoma State wanting and, and what's going to happen with that. But, but for me, Colby, it, I, I, it's, it's, it's a business decision for Oklahoma. They haven't won a national championship in 20 years. And they know that they're going to make so much more money. Let's face it, their basketball stadium's a joke. They need to build a new softball stadium. They need money. And the best way to do that is to go to the SEC. I, Colby, do you think if OSU had the option to do this, they would have done it? I, they, they absolutely would have. So I, I understand the people being upset with Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's looking out for themselves. OSU's not helping them win a national championship. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I've seen some of the uh, the stuff with people being upset at Oklahoma. What what would the expectation have been for OU to get on the phone and and call Stillwater and say, hey, we're going to blow up the Big 12, leave it in utter ashes behind us nothing it's not even you know salvageable we're going to go to the sec to make a bunch more money but you can't come because they don't want you but we just wanted to let you know that we're going i, I mean how does that phone call even go I, I mean i get i don't know the whole transparency thing and this has a huge impact on our state and our state schools look oklahoma state is not kansas state when all comes when push comes to shove and realignment starts to happen I mean, I have a hard time envisioning a scenario where Oklahoma State is left out in the cold. 
to dry. I don't think that's going to happen. Oklahoma State has a good athletic program across the board. Oklahoma State has good facilities. Oklahoma State has a good fan base. They have, uh, you know, a lot of people watch Oklahoma State games. Oklahoma State's not going to get left out in the cold. OU had to do what was best for OU, and now OSU is going to have to do what's best for OSU. And to me, that is to, I mean, obviously – the academic hurdle to getting in the Big Ten is a very real hurdle, and I don't know if it's one that Oklahoma State can overcome. The Big Ten would get you more money, but the Big Ten or the Pac-12 would both be really good landing spots for Oklahoma State. And, it, I mean, it would certainly beat uh, sticking around whatever is going to be left of the Big 12. I know that you have gotten some flack for calling it the Little 12 on Twitter. I think the Little 12 is a perfect way to put it. I mean, there's eight now. There's going to be eight. And what do you do? Add Memphis and Houston, Cincinnati, UCF. What does that do you? You're not going to get contracts that get you any money. You're going to go broke. You've got to go to another conference. At this point, survival of the fittest, every school for itself. And Oklahoma State's one of those. And Oklahoma State's in a better position than just about any other school in the Big 12 Conference. If Oklahoma State had that AAU accreditation, they'd really be in the best position of anyone in the conference. But since they don't, uh, still in a pretty good spot. I think the most likely scenario is out west, but I don't have any kind of grasp on what the timetable could be uh, before we figure out kind of what Oklahoma State's next move is. I I think that's the biggest mystery to me right now is how long we will be in limbo before we know what comes next. Yeah, I want to discuss kind of go conference by conference, the scenarios and how Oklahoma State fits. But but first, OU and Texas made it official today. They put out their statement that was carefully worded. It was lawyered up to where they're going to stick around until 2025, which is simply not true. They're going to try and play in 2022 in the SEC. And they're counting on the Big 12 disbanding. And the Big 12 has put out a statement saying they're not disbanding, that all eight teams are going to sing songs and kumbaya and hold hands and, and they're going to make sure everything works out and basically try and stick it to OU in Texas by sticking around and making them pay 80 million each, which you're right, Colby. It is survival of the fittest. The biggest mistake Oklahoma state can make is to try to be the leader of this thing and patch it together. They're going to get left out. And you're right, Colby. I think Oklahoma state has the most to offer in terms of football. And that's what this is about. This is about brands and football. And since 2010, Oklahoma state's one of the top 15 winningest programs in the country. They're on TV just about as much as any other top 15 to 20 program in the country. And that's what you'd be getting in Oklahoma State. And I said on TV last night, this is not your mom and dad's Oklahoma State. Little old Oklahoma State with Lewis Field, that's cute. They like to show up for Bedlam and hopefully beat Big Bad, o- Big Bad OU. They got a lot more going for themselves now. You go up to Stillwater now, I'm still blown away at the facilities. That is top-notch, cream-of-the-crop athletic department facilities. They win at every sport football included. They're only getting better in basketball and all the other sports. And I'm with you, Colby. I think Oklahoma State has a lot going for themselves. I just am curious whether the Big Ten, the Pac-12, or maybe even the ACC would even want to expand at this point and add more mouths to feed without a new TV deal. But I want to I go conference by conference here. And there's been reports out there that, that OSU's kind of been in talks with the Big Ten, that they reached out to the Big Ten. I'm sure they've reached out to all of them, Colby. They'd be stupid not to. Uh, actually, before we get to that, how about Dr. Trump's statement? Or yeah. uh, the president of Oklahoma State. The new, And how about this for the first month on duty for, for Dr. Shrum and Chad Weiberg dealing with this firestorm? I mean, I talk about welcome to the big leagues. My goodness. But what do you think of her statement? 
Yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, it's probably about what you would expect the president of the university uh, to say in a statement. I, I still think um, I still think that there has to be this transition that has to be made at an institutional level at a fan base level where Oklahoma State stops attaching its worth as a university when it comes to athletics to Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's worth as a university is not tied to Oklahoma. Oklahoma State is its own entity that can be valuable without OU. Now, can it be valuable in whatever's going to be left of the Big 12? Probably not, but that's because the conference won't be valuable. I, I just... Look, I, I understand the frustration. It's You just take over the job. You get this bombshell that somehow was kept secret for six months, which, by the way, slow clap for everyone who knew about this for <laughs> six months and didn't spill the beans. That might Except be Texas A&M. They didn't know about it. <laughs> Texas A&M found out for a day and leaked it to the whole world. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Texas A&M. appreciate that. Uh, if they would have waited, the news would have broke today and I would have been in town. So thanks, A&M, for, uh, for pushing us back a week here on the pod. But I, I just... Yes, I understand the frustration. The, the statement was probably what I expected the statement to be. I just hope that we're nearing a point where Oklahoma State, uh, you know, the university, the athletic program, the president, the athletic director, the coaches, the fan base, I hope we're nearing a point where everyone stops attaching our worth to the University of Oklahoma because at some point you've just got to make the split and and succeed on your own and i think that that day is coming for oklahoma state and i think that at some point and it may not be tomorrow it may not be a year from now it may not be five years from now but at some point down the road i think that oklahoma state will look back at this and will realize that this was a blessing in disguise because the way collegiate athletics are headed i, I really think you know you said you're not sure if these conferences want to expand I think the problem the Big 12 has had over the last decade is they've been reactive instead of proactive. And I think the Pac-12, which also has a new commissioner, will be looking to not make that same mistake. I think the Pac-12 will want to be proactive and will want to expand while there are schools like Oklahoma State on the market who actually add value to their conference. So uh, the statement was about what I expected, but hopefully now Oklahoma State can set their sights toward what I think can still be a very, very promising future. The statement was a public reprimand. And for anyone that's critical oh. of what she put out there, I guess being a school president, it makes you different than other, you know, other jobs. But it, I don't see how it's any different than Joe Castiglione basically issuing a, a public reprimand of Fox for putting them in at 11 a.m. against Nebraska. Same thing. So I, I had no problem with it at all. And, I, and frankly, I think that's what OSU fans wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear Good luck, Oklahoma. We wish you well. We'll still play you in Bedlam, which we're going to talk about that later in the show, too. But I didn't have any issue with it. You mentioned the Pac-12. Let's start there because I'm with you. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. And I hadn't thought about this, and I'll post a link on my Twitter account from Crashing the Boards last night. Brian Keating, my sports director over at KOCO, brought up a, a great point about the Pac-12. And I had mentioned the central time zone on Twitter the past week and how the it would serve the Pac-12 well to get in the central time zone. But I didn't phrase it like the way Brian did. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. And it makes a, a total sense for the Pac-12. It makes total sense for schools in the, in the Big 12 that are looking to jump. You, you create two divisions, Oklahoma State and the, and the other three Texas schools, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU. You partner up in the divisions with the two Arizona schools, Utah, 
in Colorado. Am I, am I missing anybody else out there? I could be wrong. I haven't studied the Pac-12 in a while. But no, you, partner up, you partner up with them in that division to where it's, it's one hour time difference. You're in the mountain time zone. That's nothing new. People have discussed that. But what Brian said that makes total sense is you flip on the TV on Saturday, 11 a.m., every conference in the country is playing besides the Pac-12. They don't start – they are not on television until 2 o'clock, 2.30. Think about that. They are a non-factor while all these other games are being played. None of their highlights are being played. They are they are not on TV. And if they bring in the central time zone, they're on from uh, 9 a.m. their time, 11 a.m. central until 11 p.m. central. With you know the late games, the USC playing the, the Pac-12 after dark is a huge hit. Everyone loves it. TV's uh, football's on late at night. They have a chance to own the entire day as far as highlights, games throughout the entire day of the football season. And there's a reason the Pac-12 has fallen to fifth in the Power Five pecking order, even behind a 10-team Big 12 that was on life support. It's because they're a complete afterthought on the West Coast. And I think you bring in the Texas schools, brings in the Texas talent, Texas recruits. I think those teams are far more viable to me than the Kansas schools. And look, I know there's going to be hurdles there with, with TCU and Baylor, but Baylor just won the national championship at basketball. They have a multi-million dollar football stadium they've built. They're committed to football. Eamon Carter Stadium at TCU. They've totally revamped that stadium. Those are big time football programs. Or they're certainly big enough for the Pac-12. Now, will the Pac-12 be willing to do that? You just mentioned, new commissioner. This He knows this league's on life support. How can he get a better TV deal? Because the Pac-12 network has been a total disaster. Why has it been a disaster? It's because they're on on the West Coast. That's it. And so he can go to Fox or whomever, any TV partner. Fox is definitely going to be looking for someone to put on TV now that they've lost Oklahoma and Texas. You go to them and propose the central time zone, these schools, good football programs paired with the Pac-12. That, to me, makes total sense for Oklahoma State and those, those schools I mentioned and the Pac-12. I thought it was brilliant by Brian, the fact that you turn on the TV at 11 a.m., Pac-12 is not even on TV yet. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that gives the Pac-12 the entire day. And, I mean, if you can have some good games in the central time zone that go at 11 o'clock, then you can really have good football being played in one conference from 11 a.m. I mean, we can even talk about Eastern time because that's, you know, the decision makers. Uh, Eastern time from noon Eastern until – what time does Pac-12 after dark even get done on the East Coast? 1.30? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, everyone's asleep when their primary yeah. game is, is still on TV. Yeah, so, I mean, you could really have from noon until about 1.30 a.m. on the East Coast uh, where the Pac-12 is on. And, again, it just comes down to the proactive-reactive thing. And this is it, – it's the Big 12's own fault. The, the situation the Big 12 in – it's nobody's fault but their own. The Big 12 has been reactive at every turn for a decade, if not more. I mean, everybody else is making moves and looking toward the future of collegiate athletics, right? Because we know that the landscape of collegiate athletics is changing. That's not like I'm not breaking news to anybody that what it is now is not what it was five years ago or 10 years ago. And what it is in five years or 10 years is going to be a lot different than where it's at now. So, you can't just sit on your hands and hope everything works out. And I feel like that's kind of been the Big 12's MO the last decade. Well, it, it'll work itself out. It'll work itself. We've got OU in Texas. It'll work itself out. Maybe we'll bring some people in. Maybe we won't. It'll be fine. It won't be fine. Somebody else made them a lot better offer than you can make them, and they are gone. And the Big 12, I, I don't know, is this uh, – 
is the is this the portion of the show where we should talk about what the Big 12 conference would look like if it attempted to survive? Because I tell you what, Carson, none of these scenarios are really anything uh, that I want a part of. I guess let's let's go there. I mean, I think I do think what you mentioned about Oklahoma State getting out of Oklahoma's shadow is real. And I think I do think it'll be a good thing for Oklahoma State. And it would be great if they could patch together the Big 12 and the winner of that conference gets a spot in the 12-team playoff. I don't know who they add, if they will even be considered a Power 5 conference at that point. I think Cincinnati is a great option. I would have gotten Cincinnati and Louisville last time around to add to West Virginia and, and TCU. I mean, you, we saw what Cincinnati did last year. I mean, they're, they have a big stadium, decent following. They've been a good football program. But you had Cincinnati and Memphis and BYU's not coming. They've already tried that. I don't know who you add, Colby, frankly, to save this conference. I mean, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out if there is any scenario in which you could save the Big 12 and it would still be a conference that a TV network thinks would have value. Because, you know, the Big 12 schools have been getting, what, 37 million-ish a year in, in TV revenue. And with the losses of OU in Texas, I mean, there's this article on CBS Sports here. I think Marshall might have posted it uh, a little while ago talking about what happens next if OU and Texas leave to the grant of rights and the payouts and stuff in the Big 12. It could go down uh, to as little as $9 million per school, which is such a small amount of money. It would decimate your athletic program to lose that money. Oklahoma State can't afford to lose that money. And, and I just, I keep racking my brain what could the Big 12 do that would keep the number anywhere close to where it's at now, anywhere north of 30 million for its schools? And short of actually poaching one of the other Power Five conferences, I don't know how you get there. Short of going out and, and taking Colorado, Nebraska, the two Arizona schools, I mean, that gets you to 12 if you get those four. And that's a pipe dream to get any one of those four because they why would they want to come to your dying conference? And short of doing something that, that looks to be impossible uh, or at least borderline impossible, I don't know how this conference puts together a lineup that excites a TV network enough to where you can actually make money in this conference. Also, there are now going to be eight schools in the Big 12. Are these eight schools just supposed to sit around and, and wait and hope that something happens? No, every last one of these schools is going to be proactive. They're going to go out. They're going to have conversations with other conferences. And as soon as one more leaves, I mean, we're one domino away from fall. Of, uh, we're one domino falling away from this conference, basically having no chance and disbanding. West Virginia to the ACC seems like such a geographical and athletic fit that it's just too perfect not to happen. So I think West Virginia to the ACC might be a done deal. And at that point, I mean, Oklahoma State is going to look west. Kansas and Iowa State are AAU schools. There's a good chance they look to the Big Ten if the Big Ten wants them. The scenarios in which the Big 12 survives, I don't think are realistic because even if you get Memphis, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, I mean, come on, man. You're not making money in that conference. There's not a TV network out there that's going to give you what you had before losing OU in Texas. There are no replacements for OU in Texas. It's, uh, it's going to be the death of the Big 12, and I think, I don't know, Carson, I think nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and I think nostalgia is playing a key factor into why a lot of people have been upset this past week. Sometimes change is a good thing. It'll be okay if the Big 12 goes away. It'll be okay. 
I mean, you can go to another conference and play football. I, uh, I don't know. I'm just not as attached to the Big 12 as some people are, and I certainly have no interest in seeing the Big 12 survive with Houston and Cincinnati coming aboard. Well, and here's the thing. Let's say you try to go at all these schools. How naive and stupid do these eight schools, are they expected to be? Like you said, they're one school away, which could be West Virginia. It could even be Kansas to the Big Ten from this league crumbling. There, there is no more trust in this league. It is now CYA time. If you're Oklahoma State, you're on the phone with every other conference trying to get out of here because you're right. They're one school away from, from totally crumbling at the feet. So even if you add these other schools, all it takes is one of, one of the original eight to leave and you're done again. So there, there's no saving this and there's no trust. It's survival of the fittest. Go make it happen. Uh, would you like to hear my dream scenario? Your dream scenario? Okay, you give me your dream scenario and then I'll give you mine. Well, we haven't talked about the Big Ten yet. And my first reaction when people were bringing up the Big Ten was Nebraska fell off the face of the planet by going to the Big Ten. They, they have no recruiting base up there north. They certainly don't have it in Texas anymore since they're no longer in the league. But they are – I've kind of backed off that a little bit because Oklahoma State would be still driving distance from all the North Texas kids. And certainly they've recruited Houston very well as well. My dream scenario is to go to the Big Ten and don't bring any Texas schools with you, whether that's Kansas or Iowa State, I don't care. The Big Ten has the most money from TV contracts besides the SEC. You have to follow the money. That's the best place for Oklahoma State to land. I don't like Big Ten football. I think the forward pass is a foreign concept to them. I would love to see Mike Gundy go up there and run roughshod over those big, slow teams. It'd be great. But man, Colby, if OU has gone to the SEC, they're going to start recruiting Florida. They're going to start recruiting Georgia even more than they already do. They're going to dip into some more states, and they already kind of quit recruiting Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma State's getting the best kids out of the state for the most part. They still get a couple. They still get some. They got the great offensive lineman this year from Deer Creek. I'm not saying they don't get anybody, but Oklahoma's become less of a priority for them. Texas will still be a priority for them too, but there's just without the without Baylor and TCU and tech coming with you and who knows where they end up. You want to talk about Oklahoma state getting some big time players out of Texas in the big 10 where you get to go play Michigan, Ohio state. And these big, the big 10 has huge fan bases, huge stadiums and a huge TV contract. If you can find a way to get up there without the Texas schools and get out of Oklahoma's shadow, Colby, that's, that's by far and away my dream scenario. All right. You ready for my dream scenario? Well, first comment on mine and give me yours. Well, let me just give you mine because that's going to make my comment on yours pretty simple. I already okay. had this written down on a piece of paper, Carson. I didn't have a labeled dream scenario, but this is what I want. I had it written down on a piece <laughs> of paper before we started recording today. And you and I, when, when we logged on today, we had no conversation pre-show. We said we're saving everything for the show. No conversation pre-show. My dream scenario, Carson, is that Oklahoma State goes to the Big Ten and doesn't take anybody from Texas with them because yes. for all the reasons you just said, and this is why when we started the show, I talked about the AAU hurdle and how that, that could be an issue because the Big Ten reportedly, you know, they want to take in AAU schools, which is Iowa State and Kansas. Kansas has basketball, Iowa State. You know, Iowa State's decent. They're a decent draw. Probably not as good. I certainly wouldn't think as Oklahoma State, but they're a decent draw, and geographically, that makes sense. But for all the reasons you just said, Carson, if you are Oklahoma State and you are in the Big Ten, you can recruit Texas. You know, all, all the kids that don't go to A&M, Texas, and OU, you're going to get a bunch of them. 
to come to Oklahoma State. And you might even win an occasional recruiting battle against one of those three schools if a kid wants to play in the Big Ten as opposed to the SEC. And, and who knows what the reasoning for that would be. But your recruiting base would be phenomenal. You'd get more money going to the Big Ten. It's like you said, follow the money. The money, it pays for everything, Carson. It pays for golf. It pays for softball. It pays for baseball. It pays for soccer. You know, it pays for everything, track and field. Follow the money. The money is in the Big Ten. I would love to go to the Big Ten. And, and how about this? If Oklahoma State did wind up in the Big Ten and there was some sort of pod system where they wound up in a pod with Nebraska and whichever other Big 12 school, let's just say Kansas goes for basketball, Nebraska, Kansas, and uh, who else? Iowa, maybe, in, in a football pod. I mean, Iowa has good years from time to time, but I would really like Oklahoma State's chances in football in that pod. I'd really like their chances in basketball in that pod. I just, that's the dream scenario. I just don't know, Carson, if the AAU hurdle is too big of a hurdle to climb. I don't know either. And I think they'd have to deal with Wisconsin in that pod scenario. And that's basically it. I would, I would favor Oklahoma State against any team up there with Wisconsin. For me, the AAU deal, it is a hurdle. Make no mistake about it. Kansas and Iowa State are members of that. That makes that hurdle very easy for those two schools to go to the Big Ten, which is another reason Oklahoma State should not be waiting around, sitting on their hands. But I will say this, Nebraska, when they joined, they were an AAU program. They're not anymore. Is, is the Big Ten going to kick them out of the league? I don't think so. So how big of a hurdle is it really now? I, that I don't know. These are questions that that I don't, under, I don't know. And, and let's face it, Colby, too, like, this is not about academics. This is about what TV product, what football product can you appease your networks? And the Big Ten Network has, pays a lot of money, but are they going to start losing eyeballs to the SEC? That's something they have to consider. So if they want to add a football program, the Oklahoma State's their best bet. Maybe they would take Tech and Oklahoma State. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Kansas certainly could end up in the Big Ten with their AAU accreditation. And I know people don't want to hear this, but Kansas is usually one of the top revenue generators due to their basketball program. They're, they're, they're one of like the five basketball programs that matter in terms of television. You know, there's only a, a very small select school. Basketball is so much different than football, Colby, in that there's about five or five to 10 programs that truly matter. And everyone else is kind of the same. That's how Texas Tech gets to a national championship game of basketball with the, the one and done scenario in the tournament. But I don't know, Colby, I'm, I'm with you. I think that hurdle could prove to be too far for the Big Ten. I do, I do wonder about that. I just, that's, those, are, those are questions we don't know yet. Well, and this is Caitlin, Caden McFarland uh, up there in Tulsa. Love Caden, he does a great job. And he had a great point. Adam Rittenberger, ESPN's uh, Adam Rittenberg, tweeted out earlier today, said, heard today from several people that Big Ten uh, only would be interested in adding schools from the AAU. So, okay, that's uh, Iowa State and Kansas are the ones in the Big 12, obviously Texas, but Texas going to the SEC. And Caden McFarland quote tweeted that and said, it won't be at all uncommon for the new SEC to have the nation's most compelling games at 11, 2.30, and primetime several Saturdays each season. But AAU, cool. It, what kind of sense does that make? The landscape of collegiate athletics is not going to allow for the Big Ten to continue to stick its nose up in the air and claim superiority over everybody else on this academic standing. 
We're not talking about academics, Carson. We're not talking about academics. We're talking about a billion-dollar industry that is collegiate athletics, specifically college football. There is too much money on the line at this point for the Big 12 to walk around with their noses in the air like they're some sort of elites because they have AAU accreditation. If they decide to do that, okay, so be it. But I don't know, man. The Big 10 and the Pac-12 right now, I think, have the chance to be proactive and try to really cement themselves as a superpower in collegiate athletics moving forward. And I don't, I don't know who's going to jump, who's going to do what, but I think if the Big Ten really turns its nose up at schools that could seriously uh, benefit the conference over an AAU accreditation, I think that that would just be uh, a mistake. And, and, you know, somebody, I'm sure if there's a non-OSU fan listening to this, they'll say, oh, you're just saying that because you're an OSU fan, you want them to go to the Big Ten. Sure, I may have some implicit biases uh, that I want Oklahoma State in the Big Ten because it would be what's best for my alma mater. That being said, I also happen to think that my alma mater is what would be best for the Big Ten. Oklahoma State, you know, we talked about Oklahoma State being down here and the, the uh, added advantage that they would get being in the Big Ten and all that stuff. You're telling me the Big Ten wouldn't have, it wouldn't be advantageous for the Big Ten to continue to expand geographically, to continue. I mean, you don't think it'd be advantageous for the Big Ten to uh, have Texas kids have a school just right up the road that's part of the Big Ten. I just, I think it's a fit for both sides, and I think it makes too much sense. But I really do think that the Big Ten looks as it looks at itself as some uh, some elitists who don't really have to stoop to the level of the Oklahoma states of the world. And if that's how it is, then so be it. But uh, I don't know. I think it would be a mistake for the Big Ten to let that be a deal breaker. Yeah, and I I think. And there's been some rumblings that the Big Ten wouldn't mind moving a little south to warmer climates when they're playing November football games. I think oh, that would be that would be nice for them too. Uh, again, I mentioned Adam Lunt has put together a really good thread on his his Twitter page, just kind of about OSU standing just in viewership. And Oklahoma State Colby is is up there. Uh, here's he has here's a list of how many times each program showed up in each top twenty list. And Oklahoma State's number one, with or without Texas, uh, in terms of uh, being in the top 20. And, and certainly, and he has more. There's it's a, it's a long, detailed post, so go check it out. But Oklahoma State brings eyeballs to TVs. So there, there's data to prove that. So I think they would be an asset. I, I just don't. I just ultimately, if I had to bet, I just I don't think the Big Ten's gonna gonna take Oklahoma State. They'll probably just end up taking Iowa State and in Kansas, if anybody, and the way I view it, they, they might not take anybody because they don't want to split the pie even more. Although maybe they could go to their network and get more money. That's that's, those are all questions that, that I don't really have the answers for. And what's to stop the big 10 from what's to stop Michigan and Ohio state from joining up with the sec or Clemson and Florida state from doing the same things. I mean, they're, it's, it's a free for all. And that's why Colby and let, let's shift to the ACC that was kind of my first pick from the jump. My, my snap reaction was go with West Virginia to the ACC because it, it to me, it's more of a, a regional fit than, than the West Coast. Um, you're, you, you would kind of be the West Virginia, so to speak, of the ACC. You kind of be out there in, in the netherworld compared to them. But the more I thought about it, their, their TV deal is not that great. The ACC network, they signed a long-term deal that does, doesn't escalate a whole lot to where they, they probably have to renegotiate it if they want more money for more schools. It'd be great for basketball. I'd love to see Mike Boyden go down to Cameron Indoor and whoop up on Duke, but 
I don't know. They already have a tie-in with Notre Dame somewhat with the conference. That was kind of a one-year deal where they were officially members of the ACC. But uh, I've kind of I've kind of given up hope on the ACC for OSU. Yeah, I really think Notre Dame's a big wild card because the ACC without Notre Dame sits at 14. Now, Notre Dame, do they want to remain independent forever? I mean, is collegiate athletics going to allow them to remain independent forever and still get to compete on the same uh, playing field as, as these other schools? I don't know. I, you, you might sense it in my voice. Not a fan of Notre Dame. I was talking about elitists a second ago. There are not too many, uh, too many people, uh, too many universities who think higher of themselves than Notre Dame. So without Notre Dame, it's 14 in the SEC. West Virginia seems, it, it just seems like way too good of a fit. Almost seems like it has to happen. So with West Virginia, that means 15. So probably wouldn't want to have an, an odd number. Maybe you would want to have an odd number. I don't know. But even if they're taking one more, is it Oklahoma State? I don't know. That just, it, it doesn't do a lot for me football-wise. Basketball, yes. I mean, Duke and North Carolina in basketball would be just a blast. But, I mean, football, Carson. I mean, going to Virginia, does that, that really get you fired up? I mean, a, a game against Wake Forest? Let, let's take a road trip up to Syracuse for a really good football matchup. I mean, there's Clemson, Florida State, and Miami that would get you uh, semi-excited in football and Florida state and Miami are still only semi excited because of their history. Clemson's the only one that's done anything lately. I don't know, man. I just, the ACC does not do a lot for me. It, uh, it would be the SEC. Obviously I'm not counting as even a possibility because it's not, but the realistic possibilities, I would have ACC at number three. I would go big 10 is kind of the pipe dream. If they're willing to take a non AAU school PAC 12 would be next. I think some of those matchups would be incredible. You got more money there than I think you'd get in the ACC. I think the ACC would be third on my list. And then whatever would be left of the, the big 12 slash little 12 slash big eight slash whatever we want to call it would be fourth on my list by a mile. So I, uh, I also am probably out on the ACC. Can I, can I turn the page here? Or did you have something else you want to say about the no, ACC? Go for I've it. got a question for you. Go for it. So Mike Gundy, here, here's my question. Is OU going to the SEC the best thing that has ever happened to Mike Gundy? And will it extend his tenure in Stillwater? Because Carson, there has been one knock on Mike Gundy since he took over as the head coach in Stillwater. Exactly one. Mike Gundy cannot beat Oklahoma. Can't do it. Even years when they're favored, they go in, everything goes wrong. The game plan's always terrible. Bedlam's <laughs> in nightmare, right? We dread it every year because we know something's going to go wrong. If Bedlam goes away, all of a sudden, Mike Gundy is the man. Well, what's the knock against Mike Gundy if there's no Bedlam? I mean, Mike Gundy had to have seen this news and thought, well, <laughs> it might be a little weird for a few years while we figure all this out. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be away from those people down in Norman. And that is going to be incredible. That was another one of my first thoughts. I was like, Mike Gundy has to be thinking, if I never play OU again, it'll be too soon. So I, I think that that's a, uh, a blessing, not even in disguise for Mike Gundy. No, you're not wrong about that because, as I mentioned, you know, OSU is the top 15 program in the country, and, and nobody seems to care because they don't beat Oklahoma. Therefore, they don't win the Big 12. And let's face it, nobody in the Big 12 beats Oklahoma on a regular basis. That's just the fact. That's, that's just the way it is. Not even Texas. Texas doesn't even beat OSU. Texas just hopes they can get to OSU's level at some point. 
<laughs> so no, I, I do think there's a chance, Colby, this could kind of elongate Mike Gundy's career. But I will say this for Mike Gundy, and he was so prophetic, and I think he's still right about this, even though the, the walls have crumbled down in the Big 12 offices. He said 10 years ago that this part of the country needs a, a Power 5 conference. And I still think he's right about that. Now, I, I as I mentioned with the Pac-12, I think it might exist that way. That's probably the only way this part of the country exists in, in terms of a Power 5 conference. But but no, you're right, Colby. I mean, that that is the that is the one bright side. If Oklahoma State can land on their feet in a good conference, this might be the best thing that's ever happened to them to get out from under the shadow of Oklahoma because that is that is a top two or three program in the history of the sport. That's what they've been dealing with. And OSU's done an unbelievable job to be competitive with them. They're the second winningest program in the Big 12 over the past decade. And so again, I think all those strengths will suit them. And I do think there's a chance it does elongate Mike Gundy's. Uh, tenure at Oklahoma State. Now you brought up Bedlam. Would you play Bedlam in football uh, once Oklahoma is officially in the SEC? Um, how about this? If everybody just wanted to see Bedlam just to see it, I think I think once a decade would be fine. One once a decade, I'd be okay with anything more than that. I'm all the way out. It's just Carson. I was born in 1992. I have watched a bunch of Bedlams. I've missed, well, prior to this past COVID season where I didn't go to the games, I had missed two home football games, uh, I think since 1997-ish is when we got season tickets and started going. Been to a lot of Bedlam games, watched a lot of Bedlam games on TV. Carson, Bedlam week is fun. Bedlam Saturday is miserable. It's one of the most miserable days of the year, every year. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. The, the beat, beating them once a decade doesn't make up for the other nine. It is so miserable. I am so far out on Bedlam being played. Also, OU, if you want to go to the SEC, go to the SEC. But OU right now, because Oklahoma State, like you said, has been a top 10 to 20 program for a decade. But there's the OU hurdle that's this mental hurdle that Oklahoma State can't get over. So OU has essentially just gotten a win every year against a top 10 to 20 team and it looks good on their resume, but everybody knows they're going to win that game. To hell with that game. Stop playing Bedlam. I'm out. I'm, I'm out on Bedlam. Well, and it's been, and before I get to my opinion on this, it's been somewhat humorous to me. <sighs> People writing about this this past week that, that Oklahoma State is somehow to blame if Bedlam doesn't continue is the oh. biggest bunch of horse you-know-what I've ever heard in my life. You know who decided to quit playing Bedlam? Oklahoma decided to quit playing Bedlam when they went behind OSU's back and jumped to the SEC. Again, their prerogative. It's the right move financially. Makes a ton of sense. But they decided not to play Bedlam. Do you think Kansas was real fired up about scheduling Missouri when they bounced to the SEC? They said, we'll see you later. You care about our basketball rivalry, but we're, we're done with you. Was Oklahoma in a huge hurry to start to keep scheduling Nebraska when they left for the Big Ten? That was, I'm told, that was like the greatest rivalry of the Big Eight days. It was diminished somewhat by the Big 12 North, but they played in multiple Big 12 title games. They weren't in a hurry to schedule them, but, but Oklahoma State is just supposed to let OU pat them on the head and keep playing them. That, you know, o, OU fans love to call OSU little brother in a very derogatory manner. The most little brother thing OSU could do is to keep playing Bedlam. I would be so disappointed in Chad Weiberg and President Shrum if they play Oklahoma again in football. And I'm serious about that. They made the choice. They can go have their fun in the SEC. 
they don't get to they don't get to leave and still keep this this home game of bedlam and, and OSU keep this home game of bedlam. And before people start messaging me and be like, but Carson, they sell so many tickets. If Oklahoma State lands in a Power Five conference, there is no reason to play Oklahoma anymore. None. Why would you schedule Oklahoma in your non-conference if you're in a Power Five conference? You, you already went over all the horror stories of playing Oklahoma. It's a tough game to win. Oklahoma State is scheduled very smartly. They've scheduled Power Five teams they can beat. Oregon State, Arizona State coming up on the schedule. They'll keep doing that, and they'll be fine playing in another conference. Anyone that thinks OSU should do the right thing here and play Bedlam has their head in the sand or is just, frankly, an OU fan that wants Bedlam to continue because they can have their cake and eat it too by being the SEC. I, I am not here for that, and I'm, I'm tired of reading it, frankly. Yeah, and, and it's like I said earlier, Carson, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. People are scared to lose it. It's once a year. It's on the calendar. Everybody gets fired up. It's like I said just a minute ago, Bedlam week is fun. Bedlam week is a blast. We talk about all the possibilities, all the scenarios. How could Oklahoma State pull the upset? And then it doesn't happen, and we're all heartbroken. And you know what we do? We sign up to do it again a year later. We just gladly sign up to just go get humiliated and have our entire weeks ruined. We sign up for it once a year. We're forced to sign up for it once a year. OU wants to go to the SEC, go to the SEC. But it, it, it's like I'm saying, you have to separate yourself from Oklahoma if you expect to ever make another leap because right now, Oklahoma State has plateaued. And you know why Oklahoma State has plateaued? Partially because they live in the shadow of Oklahoma. It, it needs to be a clean split. If they want to go to the SEC, go to the SEC. Oklahoma State, we'll hang out, you know, 70 miles north, and we'll play teams from all across the country. We'll go to another conference. Y'all play your SEC schedule. We'll play our Pac-12 schedule or our Big Ten schedule or whatever. If we meet in a playoff one day, great. We meet in a playoff one day. But as far as scheduling OU for Bedlam, it, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, and like you said, the idea that someone would blame Oklahoma State if Bedlam doesn't continue – I, I would really like to hear, because I'm sure that there is an Oklahoma State fan listening to this who wants Bedlam to continue. I am at Colby J. Powell on Twitter. Carson is at KOCO Carson Cunningham, at KOCO Cunningham. At KOCO Carson. Cunningham's too long. Okay, yeah, at KOCO Carson. Seriously, tweet us and let us know. If you want Bedlam to continue, I really want to hear from an Oklahoma State fan that really wants Bedlam to continue, and I want to know why, because I, it's not something that I can wrap my mind around. So I really want to know why. If you feel that way, let us know. I'm sure we'll do a show later in the week, and if we have anybody that says that they want Bedlam to continue, uh, then I'd be curious to know why, and, and we'll bring that up later in the week too. But I think we're pretty much lockstep that Bedlam needs to go the way of the Big 12. Well, and to me, it's far less about getting your hopes up and losing the football game. Like, I mean, OSU fans are, are used to losing Oklahoma. For me, it's about dignity. Yeah. How much, like, are you really going to, to take one from Oklahoma and say, thank you, sir, may I have another? We're just happy to play you. Like, at some point, Oklahoma State needs to say, you know what? We're keeping our dignity. You made your choice. You can have it. That, that's it. That, that, there's no reason to play them. There's no reason to play them, frankly, just from a football scheduling purposes as a non-conference game. And two, you got to have a little bit of self-respect here or else or else you deserve the moniker of little brother. It's simple as that for me. Like you cannot be treated this way by Oklahoma and then just acquiesce and let them have their cake and eat it too. There's absolutely no way that can happen. I will be thoroughly disappointed in Chad Weiberg and Dr. Shrum if that happens. Now, the way it would happen is if they try to patch together this little 12 
and they just hang on by threads and they're struggling financially with a $9 million a year TV contract, then you probably have to play Oklahoma just to make some money. But I think Oklahoma State's far past that now where they're at as, a, as an athletic department, far past it. So Agreed. my hopes are they get in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, wherever it may be. And, and you know what? To hell with you, OU. You made your, you made your bed, now go lie in it. I, I agree. How about this, Carson? Just to turn the page again, best in-conference road trips, undoubtedly the Pac-12, right? The road trips in the Pac-12 would be second to none. Dude, I had already, I'd already packed my bags for the Pac-12 10 years ago. I was like, you telling me I don't have to go to Manhattan, Kansas? I get to go to Palo Alto? Sign me up. How about Give me Palo the Rose Bowl. Alto, Eugene, Corvallis, Los Angeles, Boulder. I mean, Boulder is incredible. It's 10 hours up the road. The road trips, uh, Utah, Utah's phenomenal. It, uh, the road trips in the Pac-12 would be second to none. I am way how about, in. How about going and playing the big house, the horseshoe up in the Big Ten, uh, Wisconsin, Camp Randall? I mean, like the, the, I think Oklahoma State's going to land on their feet, and there's a lot to be decided. But I think ultimately, uh, I'll, this is my last one for you, Colby, is what do you think will happen? I think it's the Pac-12 scenario I laid out because the Pac-12 to me has far more incentive financially and frankly for their for visibility being out there on the west coast by adding some central time zone schools i think that's what happens what say you um phrase that to me one more time I, i'm i the was pack, reading the, something the on pack that. 12, the, I, i'm predicting what's going to happen i think the pac-12 scenario i laid out happens because they need the big 12 schools far more than the big 10 does to to expand yeah, my prediction, and again, it's not either of our dream scenario. The dream scenario is Big Ten with no schools from Texas going with you. But I think the most likely scenario is that the Pac-12 comes calling. I, I just, it makes too much sense for the Pac-12 to be proactive in this scenario. The Pac-12 has USC, the Pac-12 has Oregon, but the Pac-12 isn't some sort of juggernaut, especially whenever you compare it to the Big Ten and the SEC. The Pac-12 is certainly lagging behind those two conferences, and I think expansion could help that. I think being on TV earlier in the day, like you talked about earlier, could help that. Uh, so I think Oklahoma State to the Pac-12 is what makes the most sense. I just don't know who else goes to the Pac-12. And another question that is going to have to be asked at some point, and Tell you what, it's a pretty good day to be an Oklahoma State fan because we don't have to worry about this as much because Oklahoma State's in a really good place athletically. If you're a Kansas State fan, if you're a Texas Tech fan, I mean, are you not like trembling with fear that you're going to get left out in the cold? Yes, I think Kansas State should be the most worried of anybody by yes. far. Yes. Uh, I think Baylor and TCU are worried about their, you know, there's a lot of word out there, Pac-12 schools don't want religious schools uh, or have a religious affiliation. I think Texas Tech is the most logical partner for Oklahoma State if they go to the Pac-12. I think Texas Tech's very similar to Oklahoma State. They're not, they're not as successful on the field, but they've built up their stadium, kind of a, a similar fan base in terms of size, similar fan base in terms of loyalty. Uh, I think Tech's going to end up okay. I think, I think they're in far better shape than Baylor, TCU, and Kansas State. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, Kansas State should definitely be the most worried. <laughs> I had lunch with a buddy today, and we were talking about this. What do they bring to the table? I mean, can we list anything? Can you list anything that they bring to the table that, that's value that another school doesn't bring more of? I mean, they're, they're a quality football program, but that's, that's – Aren't they, though? I mean – Are they quality they, they, or they, are they fine? They've won two Big 12 titles. That's one more than OSU has. True, um, true. They, 
could have played for a national championship when they had uh, Colin Klein, blew it. Could have played for one when they had Michael Bishop, blew it. I mean, they, they've had their runs, but no, I, I think they're by far the, the school that should be worried the most. Iowa State's so lucky they're good at football now. That's going to be their only shot. Yeah. And that's one thing I think about the Big Ten. If you get past the AAU accreditation, Iowa State is Matt Campbell. And I guess you could say the same thing about Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy, but Oklahoma State was good in the 80s. They've, they've had a far longer history of success than Iowa State in football. But if Matt Campbell bounces and you're the Big Ten, you're stuck with Iowa State turning back into what they were, I don't think they can afford to do that. So I think Oklahoma State should feel the best right there with Kansas. I think Kansas is going to – although I keep saying, you know, Kansas makes a lot of revenue from their basketball program, and that's true, and they're one of the few that matter. But they were, they were headed to the Mountain West 10 years ago. They, they weren't getting in anywhere 10 years ago. Why, why should I think that changes now? I don't know. Maybe I haven't learned from the past. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who gets left out in the cold. There just aren't enough spaces for everybody. There just aren't. And somebody's going to get left out. My question is, like, let's, let's go down a hypothetical rabbit hole that Kansas State does get left out. Do they end up in a conference with Houston and Cincinnati and – I don't know, Boise, UCF. I, I don't know what happens. If they're lucky. That's what I was going to say. I don't know what happens at the lower level if and when the Big 12 dissolves and these schools go elsewhere. What happens at the lower level to the schools that get left out in the cold? I, I don't have the answer to that question. And there are a couple of schools who should be really afraid right now that uh, a decade from now their athletic program is, as it exists today just won't exist in that form in 10 years. No, it's a, it's a scary thought for a lot of schools. And I think Oklahoma State's nervous too. There, there's no guarantees with them getting into any other conference and they might have to be stuck with the little 12 as well. But before we go, Colby, I have one parting salvo for the big 12. You know how I knew this conference was completely inept with their leadership? It's when they, in 2014, after the debacle of handing out two trophies to Oklahoma and Kansas State, even though Kansas State beat Oklahoma on their home field, in a round robin scenario, handed out two trophies there. And then so they they tried to remedy this in 2014 with the one true champion, spent millions of dollars on this one true champion campaign. And then what happened at the end of that season? Bob Bowlesby on the same day hands out a trophy at TCU and hands out a trophy at Baylor. They couldn't even stick to their own stupid marketing plan. And they handed out two trophies that the playoffs said, you've made the decision for us. You can't even decide who your best team is, you're out. Baylor and TCU didn't get in the playoff. That's when this conference, to me, showed that they are totally reactive. They have no foresight at all. And to me, that that was the, the death knell for me. Yeah, that, uh, that was brutal. The one true champion debacle. I mean, it became a, a pretty big running joke that the Big 12 would have one true champion and just give everybody a trophy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Big 12, again, just reactive instead of proactive, moving forward. I think that we're going to see a complete split and a, a complete dissolution of the conference. You know, Oklahoma and Texas released the statement this morning that they're not going to uh, pay the termination fee to get out of the grants of right grant of rights contract early. Well, Carson, it's because they're hoping that the big 12 dissolves before then and they don't have to pay it. And they still get to go to the sec in a year or two. Uh, the timeline of this is what's most fascinating to me. I don't think Oklahoma State gets left out in the cold. I, I know that that's a possibility. I know it's possible that the Big 12, Big 10 and Pac-12 don't want to expand. I think Oklahoma State's going to land in one of those two conferences. But my, uh, my question is, how long does it take 
for Oklahoma State to actually be playing football in another conference? Is it 2022? Is it 24? Is it 26? Is it 28? I have no earthly idea what the timeline is on this, and that makes the whole thing fascinating. It's 2022 for me. You think? Oklahoma and Texas have done this very smartly. They hire lawyers to where it's attorney-client privilege. There's no email trail. There's no phone call records. It's all private. They, they, have, they have gone through this very smartly, very shrewdly. And they didn't go into this saying, we're going to pay $80 million to get out of this early. And they dang sure aren't hanging around until 2025. They're very smart. And they're smart enough to know that Oklahoma State is going to bounce, that Kansas is going to bounce, that West Virginia is going to bounce. And that's going to happen quickly, in my opinion. And I think by 2022, OU and Texas are in the SEC. And OSU and who knows who else is playing football elsewhere. That's, that's my prediction. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that that's a good prediction. I think we're pretty much on the same page with most of this. Can I say one thing, too? If you're one of these people going after Carson on Twitter, Carson, you have gotten so much unnecessary hate from Oklahoma State fans this week who, I, I don't know, I guess their feelings are hurt. I, I really don't know. The Little 12 is not an insult. It is what it is. This conference is going away. It's going to cease to exist. I, I have been trying to wrap my mind around some of the comments and responses you've gotten on Twitter this week, and it just it makes no sense. No sense at all. It's – and look, I understand – it's a vocal minority. I get that. Like, I'm, 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 I, it's nothing new to get negative criticism on Twitter. That's basically what Twitter's devolved into. But to me, and I'm speaking of the vocal minority, I think most, most OSU fans agree with me that this was a, a business decision. It wasn't personal from Oklahoma. It's, they're trying to do some self-preservation, just like Oklahoma State's going to try to do now because their hand was forced. But I will say this about the vocal minority that get, get ruffled about a Godfather gift that, that really Barry Trammell comes out with an exact quote from an OU source, basically quoting the Godfather that I did, which, and all I was saying is that was OU's stance. That was Joe Castiglione's stance. For all those people, you are the little brother. You are, this, you are the sensitive little person that just wants to complain, feels like they're wronged, feels like they don't get enough credit. They don't, they don't get enough coverage you're trying to turn it into something it's not because your feelings are hurt. And I'm sorry, you come across as overly sensitive. I not once did I say I'm rooting for OSU to fail. I had people accusing me Colby that that I'm sitting there rooting for OSU to fail. The the alma mater, my, my alma mater, I do a podcast twice a week on my own free time about Oklahoma state sports, but I'm secretly over here rooting for Oklahoma and rooting for the demise of Oklahoma state. Like, just, just say that out loud before you send me a tweet because it's absolutely ridiculous, first off, and it just makes you look like a sensitive little crybaby. Yeah, I, I just I saw so much of it this week, and, and I don't do the Twitter arguments, so I didn't respond to any of it, but I wanted to say something on the podcast because I'm like, man, and look, I've been there. I worked for the franchise for five years. The franchise is the flagship, flagship station of the University of Oklahoma. So I covered both. I covered both schools. So sometimes I would have to tweet about OU. That would happen. And OSU fans would get mad. Oh, you're an OSU grad, but you're tweeting about OU. Yeah, you cover both schools. You work for KOCO. You cover both schools. You know why I don't tweet about OU anymore? I don't cover both schools anymore. I do the Pistols Firing podcast, so I don't have to cover both schools anymore. Um, But I just, I thought a lot of it was complete nonsense. And some of it was just totally beyond uh reasonable even so wanted to bring that up a little bit but 
Uh, real quick. Little 12. Little 12. Little 12. We will rebuild. We will survive. No. Oh, shoot. You got to get out now. Run. By the way, I think the little 12 is a great name. And I think the little 12 is what it should be called until it <laughs> and goes away. Here's my Call question. 12 till they have like six teams. Like just, just keep it going. Right. And, and I know that everyone is centrally focused on what's happening with the conference realignment um, talks because that's the number one story right now. But are we going to do a show Thursday or Friday? Because if we do a show Thursday, then we'll get to speculate on what happens with Cade Cunningham. If we do a show Friday, we'll know where Cade Cunningham is going to start off his career in the NBA. Well, you're going to hate me. You were gone last week. Oh, no. It's my birthday week. I'm going to be out of the country. Out of the country. What day is your birthday? August 1st. I'll be gone. I'm flying out Wednesday. So I'll be gone the rest of the week. You're flying out Wednesday. All right. So then we need to make some some final Cade Cunningham predictions. This, by the way, from Jonathan Wasserman about a half hour ago on Twitter, uh, covers the NBA draft. He's... 34,000 followers. He's got the check mark. He's the lead NBA scout and draft analyst for Bleacher Report. He said that he was told that the Oklahoma City Thunder had made a legitimate offer for number one that the Pistons turned down. So the Thunder have tried and maybe aren't done trying. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm not buying that Detroit's not taking Cade. I think they're trying to get all, any and all trade offers, and I, I get, apparently they've Thunder have already thrown the kitchen sink at Detroit, and they've already said no. So I, I can't imagine there's any way any other team could could move up and get them. I think I think they're going to take K to one. But this is what happens, Colby. They they leak stuff. They want it out there to see what kind of other offers are out there. Like, hey, the Thunder offered us this. What are you going to offer us? That's all part of the game. But I think K goes one to Detroit. Do you? The day after the lottery. I said I thought Oklahoma City would move up and get him. We're three days out, and I'm still holding on to a string of hope that whatever offer Oklahoma City made to Detroit, because the the tweet that I saw said that it was a reasonable offer, right? A reasonable offer to move up to number one. I'm still holding out hope that Sam Presti will make an unreasonable offer to get up to number (laughs) one. A ridiculous offer with a historic amount of future picks to get up to number one because the only thing that I want, my birthday is September 2nd, the only thing I want is for the Oklahoma City Thunder to have a backcourt that includes Cade Cunningham, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Lugan Stewart. That's all I want. I'll take it for birthday and Christmas. I'm still holding out hope that Presty does that, but if I had to guess, I'd guess he probably goes number one to Detroit. Also, this news just broke because, you know, everything's going crazy in the world. Steven Adams is going to be a Grizzly. So, yep. Big John, trade. John Grizzlies. Moran loving it up to Steven Adams. Yep. Grizzlies get the 10th overall pick, which that prevents probably the Thunder from getting up to the 10th pick from their 16 and 18 spots. Yeah. But my, my prediction for the Thunder, I think they move into the top four. I think – I kind of think the Raptors – might not be in love with Jalen Suggs to where they, they want Scotty Barnes or even Jonathan Kaminga because uh, their, their GM is very involved in, in the country of Africa and Kaminga's from the Congo. I think, I think either Barnes or Kaminga might interest the Raptors enough for them to move down and the Thunder just throw a bunch of picks at them to get up to four and take Suggs or maybe even Mobley if he slips, which it doesn't appear that that's going to happen, but that's my prediction. I think Oklahoma City moves up to four. Uh, yeah, I would be fine with that. I just, 
I don't want him to stay at six. I don't know. It's just there's really good talent at the top of this draft. Really, top three is where I would like him to be because top three guarantees you either Green, Mobley, uh, or Cunningham, and one of those three I think would be great. I saw somebody earlier saying that they think Mobley could be Chris Bosh on offense and Anthony Davis on defense, and boy, that's uh, that's some high expectations to put on Evan Mobley because Chris Bosh on offense and Anthony Davis on defense is a Hall of Famer. So yep. uh, I don't know that he's that but I'd like to see it in Oklahoma city. I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic that Oklahoma city won't pick six and that there are still moves to be made. It's, it's time to parlay all the picks they've gathered now. Cause you're not going to be as near the top five next year. It's time. They got to make a move, trade a lot of the excess picks you have and, and move up. So I'm with you. Colby. How about this Carson? Be proactive, not reactive. There we go. Learn from the little 12. <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, I don't know if you're going to tape one without me or not, but I'm going to head out of the country. And when I get back, we better be in the Big Ten. All right, man. Have fun. We'll talk next week. Happy birthday. Thank you. Adios. Go, folks.